So, hi. Um, it's Books and City Pod. We pre-recorded a bunch of episodes before we did the official launch, and so we're just, like, jumping back in from the future because we are overwhelmed with all the love yes. that the podcast yes. has been receiving. And just wanted to say thank you. And everyone who's listened and rated and followed and subscribed, you are all amazing. And we have been texting about it nonstop and happy crying yes. the whole week. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And different types of crying sometimes. <laughs> 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 On that note, what do you mean? Speaking Emily? of crying. <laughs> Okay, so we were discussing, obviously, the U.S. has technically declared a national emergency in response to the coronavirus pandemic that's hit our shores, and we felt it pretty strongly in New York City. Um, and I feel like it's something that we want to talk about but not harp on, and just because you're talking about it doesn't mean that you're panicking about it. So I think in a situation where there are a lot of moving parts and things are kind of unknown, it's understandable to be concerned and maybe even frightened over something where we feel like we don't have a lot of control over it but just know that the powers that be are working their hardest and they're taking the measures to kind of personally here there's a lot of kind of it's not locked down but they've recommended that we don't go to work or you know take public transit as often don't go to Broadway shows. Gather in large groups, yeah. Gather in large groups. And so although that feels intense and it feels like the virus itself can be scary, they're just doing to that to contain um, the potential spread of this uh, virus that they're not quite sure how, how it spreads so far. So we don't want to make you feel like every time you talk about it with your coworkers or colleagues or friends or family – that you're inducing panic because I think we all need to process this. But as someone who works in a science lab and I feel like is interested in epidemiology, I would like to direct everyone to the uh, CDC website, the WHO website, and your state or local health department's website for all the official information about this. And to date, what they know is... You can spread it by coughing and sneezing. It's respiratory illness, and the symptoms are um, fever, cough, and sneeze. It's very similar to the common cold, and even though most of us listening to this podcast probably will encounter this virus and be fine in the end, all these precautionary measures are to protect those in our communities and our families even that might be more vulnerable, maybe are on the older side, or um, have any pre-existing conditions, chances are that most of us seeing this virus will be able to handle it, and all these precautionary measures about not um, gathering in large groups is not because this virus is inherently scary, it's to protect um, the people who are most at risk while we're still trying to get the diagnoses and, and contain the spread. So we didn't want to say anything more really um, about it because uh, we're kind of mentally burnt out on it uh, is what we were kind of discussing before. Uh, you can DM me if you have <laughs> like uh, more logistical questions about what's uh, what is known about the virus because what I want to try and communicate is this is not totally 
unheard um, of. Coronavirus is a family of viruses. So our health professionals and our government workers and people who are putting themselves on the front line to help fight this disease are not going in blind. They know what they're working with. They know how to handle a viral infection and they can help people uh, overcome this. So although it may feel like there's not a lot known at this time, I think we know enough to help contain the spread and all those things that we've shared on our Instagram or that people are sharing about washing your hands are really like the first thing that you can do. And if you feel sick, do not leave your house. Stay inside, call your doctor ahead of time and describe your symptoms. You are probably not a doctor, <laughs> I would imagine, <laughs> unless we have a if lot you're of listening to doctor yeah. listeners. <laughs> you might be a doctor. You might be a doctor, in which case, call them. <laughs> call each other. <laughs> and describe your symptoms, and there's a good chance the person on the phone will say, um, doesn't sound like what we are experiencing with the coronavirus symptoms. Sounds more like you have the flu or sounds like you have allergies. And it is allergy season. It is allergy <laughs> season. It's also flu season. But calling ahead and staying home when you feel sick are just basic public health things. And that's what we recommend. And we also recommend listening to our podcast as <laughs> a way to de-stress. But uh, does anyone have anything else? Well, if you are feeling particularly overwhelmed by all of this, we have the best episode right now for you because this was our first of maybe many um, (laughs) drunk episodes. (laughs) So indeed, if you're not at work, pour a glass of wine. And even if you're at work, you know, who cares? Shot of tequila. Working from maybe home. home. Working from home. Yeah. Drink responsibly. Only your cat can judge you. (laughs) (laughs) And enjoy this episode. This is going to be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man, I have books to cram. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> welcome <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of Books in the City Pod. Whoop I'm Becky. I'm Kayla. I'm Emily. I'm Libby. Um, so should we start by talking about our sign? I just saw this post literally five seconds ago. I follow one of those, um, astrology meme accounts and Mm -hmm. it says it's Kim Kardashian and Kanye West with this new like meme that's going around where, uh, Kim is wearing this like really puffy jacket. That's like a, like a brownish mauve color and Kanye's like all decked out in a very Kanye outfit wearing (laughs) sunglasses do you know what i'm talking about no No. okay (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't know how to describe it i saw a tweet today where they were dressed like this they're at a basketball game and it like kim's on the kiss we'll post this yeah we'll we'll share this on our instagram but like what i saw was kim was um they were at a basketball game and they were on the kiss cam and kim's like blowing kisses but the whole point is like they're supposed to kiss each other and she like goes to try and kiss kanye and he like like (gasps) doesn't seem like he wants and like the thing i saw on twitter was like why does he seem like he doesn't let her touch him (laughs) anyway that's not the point of this this meme (laughs) it's kim is it says kim pisces and then kanye is like staring at her in this weird way and says they're crippling anxiety trying to disrupt their inner peace oh my god i don't think kim's a pisces though no that's not the point no have you ever seen it's like a pisces oh yeah 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 yeah. it's like kim pisces (laughs) 
Kanye. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they're I got crippling it. anxiety, trying to disrupt their energy. Hard to explain memes on podcasts. Turns out difficult indeed Turns also out. highly impressed that kim and kanye are still memeable Ugh. i forgot about them for a minute. you forgot about them i forgot about them i have not forgotten about it's them i'm pretty sure though isn't kanye he's a gemini? a gemini yeah we have a gemini in our midst yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's me libby libby i share my sign with kanye west and fun fact, Shia LaBeouf, who I love more than anything in this world. and More than, more than Dennis? No. Not Dennis cat. or my family, obviously, excluded. And Dennis my friends. Dennis is her cat. Dennis is her cat. Dennis is a female. Cat. She's Dennis. a lady. Dennis is a lady. Cat. She's a lady. Ge- oh, my God. <laughs> Dennis is a Gemini. Dennis' birthday is June 2nd. Oh. Like, how do you know? Of course Her birthday is June 2nd, yeah. Aww. Two days before Kanye's and only 17 days before mine. <laughs> I have no idea when my cat's birthday is. It doesn't matter. I know when her gotcha day is. Yeah, Aww. also important. It makes sense. Dennis is nuts. I mean, <laughs> nobody's met her, but... Do you think you're nuts? <laughs> I've yet to see. Dramatic pause. Well, well, I feel like I have strong feelings about Geminis. I have so many Geminis in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, It's funny because my other Leo friend... We, like, attract ...was each like, other. I have so many... Ge- all her best friends are Geminis. Yeah. Wait, <gasps> so... Okay. I'm Becky. I'm a Pisces. Kayla is a a Leo. Libby is a Gemini. Emily? I'm a Virgo. Virgo. Beyonce is a Virgo. But for Geminis, I feel like they get a bad rep because it's seen as like two-faced or like all of a sudden you're psychotic crazy. But my experience (laughs) with Geminis is that you're like... You just have two sides of you, which I feel like everybody kind of. We're just layered. Yeah. Halo just undermined your whole personality. She was like, everybody has that. <laughs> like, Libby's, you're like, not- on the surface, like, so I feel like you're, like, very, like, chill. You work in publishing. And then we're out. And it's like, okay, drinks. And, like. Yeah, but we're all, like, like that. have fun. Yeah, I guess. But I will yeah. say. The added alcohol. The first, one of the first few times that uh, we were hanging out with Libby, she, out of everybody, she's like the most soft-spoken kind of <laughs> seems the most like you seem the oldest out of the group to me just out of like maturity and <gasps> i agree but i am i feel like you have i feel like you have yeah i think together. technically you are the oldest uh, but what? yeah but the f- one of the first times <laughs> yeah. i met libby, libby shit is together <laughs> <laughs> in a row bitch <laughs> <laughs> We should uh, like just assume that we have been drinking. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is so three full disclaimer. I'm up for dis full for disclaimer. Oh my god, it. we haven't been drinking that much. I know. Oh, who? That's breaths. what we get for weekday records. This is okay. a tipsy episode of Books in the Pod. It is 10 p.m. I think it's, it's National not Wine even. Day. It's 9:36. Oh yeah, it's National Wine Day. I am day recording, so I'm celebrating. So we can't include this. <laughs> two, two, two things. Um, yeah. Full disclo- <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> We've been drinking. I've been drinking. <laughs> Are we gonna get sued if I keep just like singing three no. seconds of copyrighted material from fucking no, Beyonce, your my rendition. fellow Virgo? <laughs> oh my god! Whoa. Okay, we need to <laughs> take a step back. <laughs> I feel like this is a professional podcast. Yeah. Everybody tried to be quiet for a second. So, yeah, the first time, one of the first times we met Libby was, you know, one of the book club things. And 
all like like I said, you're one of the more quiet people in the group. Just, mm. Even just like volume. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah, so I had like this work party and we were dancing on tables and writing oh, on the yeah. walls. And I was like, what? Because it didn't make sense with like this thing I had in my brain about who you are. And I feel like maybe that might have something to do with like we all present ourselves one way when we first meet people, but I feel like that was how I was like, okay, maybe she's a Gemini. But Gemini. riddle me this, Libby. Did you dance on the table? Yeah. I respect that. So my company used to be in the Flatiron Building, and it was like I started there in the last two months before we were making the move downtown. Now I'm in the financial district. And so it was always like this move, this impending move, blah, blah, blah. The last week, there were all of these like, farewell flat iron like goodbye flat iron parties because some of these people had worked there for like 20 years like had i mean it, the one guy like had been there since the 80s it's like insane and if you're unaware flat iron's one of the most historic buildings yeah big landmark city. in well, new york city triangle. wild architecture when the um scaffolding and ugly stuff is off you should go look at it because it's beautiful mm-hmm. but so, like, the last week was just, like, madness. Everyone's packing up their offices. And the last night that we were there, everyone just, like, lost their minds. We were – somebody brought out, like, paint that they had for whatever reason. And we were just painting all over the walls in the Flatiron Building. Sorry. I was keeping paint in their drawer? I know. You there's never know. It's people who have been there for 40 years. Yeah, like, oh. these – it's just, like – wild to think of the history i think i have painted my i was gonna say like i i'm a graphic designer so i'm in the it's like me and one other person where we are the art department i have so many random art supplies (laughs) for things that you would not expect that you would need the coolest thing in my drawer is um i have banana hand cream in the shape of a banana Wow. Oh, Riveting. It's <laughs> <laughs> cooler than your paint. Does it smell good? Well, it she smelled meant like it to be not riveting, right? That was the joke. No, I think she meant it seriously. <laughs> Becky. It's the coolest thing did. in my drawer, Becky. Don't shit on it. Damn. I love my banana. <laughs> Who's the real <laughs> Gemini? <laughs> okay, should we? It was wild, yeah. So I guess thanks for recognizing my Gemini spirit through that story. But I was, the truth is, I was just really hammered and <laughs> didn't pack my office classic me when I was supposed to so I had to go back after this like open bar happy hour farewell thing so me and like four or five other people are in the flat iron running around screaming having dance parties in conference rooms on the table drawing on the walls etc it was insane anyway so uh what how do you feel about being a Pisces Becky I identify deeply with being a Pisces that's yeah. uh, two fish. It surprised right? me at first. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the name of my future bar, two, two fish. fish. The Pisces thing surprised me at first. Like, I thought you were a Virgo because Virgos are, like, notoriously yes. organized, detail. Oh. Truly, like, this is what. You're what, extremely detail-oriented. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, Cause as goodbye. the organizer of the book club, as, like, the organizer of this podcast, like, you're the person that, like, keeps everything running, you know? Mm-hmm. But Pisces makes sense to me now. Oh, Can I want to describe the Pisces traits because I don't. Well, how does it relate know. to you? For me, I feel like I, I. Well, so what I've read about being a Pisces is like you, it, you're typically like artistic, emotional, you know. That's how that's how I kind of relate to it. I'm a graphic designer, so 
that's where the artistic part comes in for me and I'm definitely emotional I feel like I feel deeply like when when someone close to me is going through something like it like makes me feel like I'm going through it too like I get sad when someone else says they're sad like if I hear a sad story like I feel it too so I feel like that's how I relate to being a Pisces I don't really know what like Aquariuses are but I'm right on like the cusp my birthday's on the 20th and I think the beginning of Pisces is the 19th so I don't know if that counts as a cusp but I feel like maybe I could have some cuspy (laughs) (laughs) you're extremely cuspy I mean some people don't believe in cusps cusps so (laughs) I knew a boy once that his birthday was the cusp so Uh, he was like fully both between which I don't remember. Sidebar. <laughs> Do we like fully engage in the astrology yes. mythology? I don't mm-hmm. fully. Okay. Like I, I act like I do, but like I just said, I don't know it. I don't know Aquarius. I don't know what an Aquarius is. But I don't pay attention to the other. This is so Leo of me. <laughs> <laughs> I only care about Leo. The other side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kayla, talk about how you think, relate to your Leo. Are you done? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's so Leo. So that's clearly how I relate to being a Leo. Um, I think Leos get a bit of a bad rap. I definitely have some of the negative attributes. Like I can be Aww. extremely vain, make it all about me. But um, I am extremely loyal. I also am very emotional and dramatic and things feel like the end of the world to me because I just – to me, like I am the center of the universe. <laughs> and you're like that's a Leo thing. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, um, Aren't Leo's supposed to be like they have like such a great social life? They're so like confident and like mm-hmm. I feel shiny. like this is similar to how you're Carrie Bradshaw, where like you you th- you you admit to being a Leo in some of those things, but you you say you don't feel like you want to be the center of attention, right? Yeah, I don't like a lot of people staring at me, especially if I'm speaking. Like I I like attention, but it not. I I don't know. I guess I don't really like attention. I feel like you're a Leo to me because usually the attention goes to you, whether or not you're trying. Like the attention goes to you. Like you draw attention to yourself. Not in a negative way, just like you command attention when you walk into a room or like when you're in a conversation, like people are drawn to you. So that's how I feel like you're a Leo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. Similar to how you're Carrie. But that's something I never would like, like myself, be able to recognize the confidence thing. I used to be insanely, insanely deeply insecure. And that's something I've really worked on. So I, I am a confident person now. So like. That's a good Leo trait. Like yeah. I have worked on. Um, yeah, I love being a Leo. I think it's fun, but I'm close to the cancer cusp, and I, can see I that. do. I love being alone. I love like my routine and like quiet as much as I like going out and partying. So, I think I do have a bit of cancer in me, but I'm Leo through and through. I think I'm. I think my rising sign is Cancer. Can you describe to me what these like rising? descending signs are yes is there a descending no it's moon sun rising are the important ones but rising is how you present to other people so like the first impression kind of or like how you're perceived by others um 
moon i actually don't really i jumped in as your if moon i knew is supposed to be i'm pretty sure it's like who you are like inside inside like i have an aries moon um i don't know what rising supposed to be i'm a capricorn rising rising is like how your how others perceive you isn't there a sun well your sun, sun sign is, is like your, your birthday so yeah virgo. your your oh. sun sign is virgo um your your rising sign is like the mask you present to people like your personal style how you come off to people your moon is like your emotions your mood your feelings what you think of yourself as my moon is aquarius so yeah my rising is cancer no do you know yours Mm. the only thing i know is i'm a virgo (laughs) (laughs) how do you you relate to that um i feel like parts of it i can relate to there are some bane and virgo memes online that totally break the stereotype of the organized structured person because I don't know if any of the assembled group here would classify me as an organized, structured person. Well, it's funny because we just gave all those traits to Becky. Right? I don't really (laughs) feel like I ascribe to those stereotypical things about being a Virgo. But I think there's a lot of, like, loyalty traits and kind of being alone traits. Kind of like Virgos aren't very, like, hard workers you know what I like learning about the most is when they're really hard on themselves. I think I'm kind of hard on myself sometimes, and I just thought that's how everyone is. They're also like, yeah, self-destructive. Self-destructive. Like hard on themselves, like self-destructive. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I like to think of picture Beyonce doing her choreography for 12 hours in a row and no one gets to sleep. That's kind of me sometimes. Um, she is a Virgo. Right? Mm-hmm. When when I want to be. That's I you in the lab. You is Beyonce. <laughs> I love Beyonce, Beyonce like the lab. doing the <laughs> single ladies dance. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. With, with your research, you. I always I tell this anecdote all the time because my friend from high school, my best friend, she's a Leo, and we used to send each other the Cosmo like horoscopes about <laughs> dating and romance, and she would be like, "You're gonna get so many dates. All the boys are obsessed with you. It's so fun." And then I would open up mine, and they'd be like. You want to organize your closet. It'll really, you know, get you off. And I was like, this is so oh rude. My oh, my God. Wait, so, but we've spoken about this because I'm a Leo and I would read those and be like, where? Like, yeah. where are the boys lining up to talk to me? Like, on Valentine's Day, my friend sends me this meme that's like who the signs are going to end up with. And all the other signs were paired off. And oh then no. the Virgo said no one, literally no one. And oh, I was like, who's everyone a, else? That's the stab in the back. Like, here, I'll read it for you. But I feel like those things aren't, like, those are just those fun gimmicky things. things. Yeah. yeah. Just taking the- They're fun gimmicky things. Like, for Pisces, it's <laughs> But they also like, hurt. Pisces, it's always like, you want to go home and cry. Every single one of them, it's like, <laughs> are you sad? <laughs> Probably. Oh, that should and be for like, me. <laughs> No. <laughs> Are you sad? Sometimes I'm That's not. the nice thing I about the Virgo. Days. They're like, you're alone, but you're not sad about it. Um, let me try and find it because I thought it was so funny. I was like, on Valentine's Day of all fucking days. I like everyone's famous. So Barack Obama's a Leo. Rihanna's a Pisces. Yes. And Barack's me and Leo. Rihanna have the mm. same birthday. I didn't know that. Wait, am I? Is that not true? It is. Leo's like all the powerful ass people are Leo. Oh. 
I mean, that makes sense. Like but did you hear me when I said me and Rihanna have the same birthday? Oh, wow. Not the same year, same day. I have the same birthday as A Rod. I didn't realize that. And I never cared about it. I A-Rod. wanted someone That's good. Why I didn't really I, don't know. I was like, I need yeah. a good birthday buddy. Um, fact checking my claim on Barack Obama's birthday. Honestly, can't find the meme, so I'm well, not convinced. Yeah, Leah. Ooh. Barack. Should I look at like truly? I feel like the most like world leaders are from the Leo. Astrology. Have you seen those memes where they assign you a book to read based off of your sign? <gasps> no. no, I want to. S- I want to see what mine is. Actually, it's like BuzzFeed does this, right? Yeah, I I don't remember who posted this one, but for Leo, it said Daisy Jones and the Six, and I loved that book. Me so too. Oh, that's perfect. probably the only accurate one I've ever seen. All mine would probably be like normal people, which I didn't. <laughs> but Virgo like, it would. probably would be Virgo would probably Pisces. be like Marie Kondo. Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It probably would be. <laughs> That's a great They'd be call. like, only keep three books in your home. They'd be like, get rid of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Gemini would be. They'd probably be like, oh, you have no attention span, so you don't read. Oh. <laughs> Dumb. Should we? The back of the cereal box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Short stories. Um, should we talk about books? Yeah. Yes. Who wants to go first? Emily, you start. Why? <laughs> Okay. Um, Launch your bat wine glass, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're drinking red wine on my brand new light couch. So same couch. And everyone makes me feel like just I'm hold it, spill it over. <laughs> okay. Oh, do you need assistance? <clears throat> no, it's not in there. So I recently finished. I was talking about this maybe at the end of last episode. We were talking about. Um, James Baldwin, and I just finished my first James Baldwin novel ever, Giovanni's Room. And it was beautiful. I can't believe I've sat on his writing for so long. Can I ask you for context? Because I don't read any classics or old writing. He's not. Is he? Oh, is he like a, a modern classic. contemporary? Older. He's like a modern classic. He's so alive, right? No. What? He died, he died in 84 no. or something. Oh. Okay, so okay. what year was this Good written? Thing we're talking about this. Just because you posted about it and that in your review, it was like, oh, this probably is not on my radar. Right. So, Giovanni's Room was published in 1956. Okay. James Baldwin is often associated with um, kind of like the Harlem Renaissance black literature. Um, he wrote... Na- um, Notes from a Native Son, and If Beale Street Could Talk, and kind of spoke to his experience as a black man in America living in Harlem. Um, and then he emigrated to Paris, where he lived because he felt um, kind of ostracized as like a gay black man. And so he was living as an expatriate in um, France for the end of his life. And... <laughs> Uh, we're not laughing at that. We're laughing at the neighbors. And so Giovanni's Room is um, written in 1956 and is about um, this character, David, who grows up in America and is kind of like suppressing his sexuality um, and kind of feels um, that he's gay, but he can't come to terms with it. So he like goes off to... Goes off <laughs> Emily keeps putting her wine glass down on the couch. It's stressing me out. <laughs> okay, everyone was staring at me and totally silent and laughing at me. Okay, that's David. so unfair. Just put it on the floor if you're not going to hold it. Okay, I'm going to hold it. 
Wait, can I ask a quick question before you get into the plot? How? <laughs> Sorry. How did you decide to start with that one? Because he's written so many. Right. So that I have an answer to because I have a bibliophile um, planner from. This I is think, a very Virgo answer. Banquet. <laughs> and on the February page, they had all these love stories. And um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to read Giovanni's Room. Um, I'm going to France in June. Okay, so jealous. And thank you. And <laughs> uh, I saw it in my little planner, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna read that book." And I'm glad I did. It was super well done, and I feel like it's the kind of classic I would recommend to you, Becky and Kayla, because I feel like the language is not hard to muddle through, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like beautiful. It's sad. It's a sad romance novel um so let me circle back to the plot so david is growing up in brooklyn i think and he um can't come to terms with his sexual identity and he goes to paris and he's kind of like in denial that he's um gay and he kind of hangs out with these kind of openly but not open gay men who live in the or who work at this like like quote-unquote gay bar and um and so david has a fiance um and he feels all this shame and like pressure but she's a woman uh yeah who's a woman and her name's hella and so he meets this bartender giovanni who's this hot italian guy and they have like instant chemistry like i've never read like sexier flirting in any type Ooh. of literature it was very like like sparks were flying and i feel like you totally i mean for the time it was it was huge it was big like to speak openly about feeling gay attraction in 1956 and also speaking openly about how that made david feel like lots of shame about that identity and how he felt like he couldn't be himself uh, I think that was really ahead of its time. And Did it face backlash, do you know, when it came out? Oh, yeah. It was, like, banned in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think for that reason, it doesn't get the credit that it's due. It's a classic. Like, it's an instant classic. I was laughing because I was telling my friend that I was having this craving for, like, oysters and champagne and just for oh, yes love it just for context i'm allergic to shellfish so <laughs> <laughs> all my friends were like i'm craving an allergic reaction yeah my <laughs> friends are like do you want to test that where does that come from i in also for context i don't eat seafood and i was like i don't know where this comes from um and then on the next page it was just like they're living in france and, and i think so what's you really think the book made you want Oysters and champagne. Do you yeah, think? that's what they're eating. They're they're living this fabulous life. So he goes to Paris with Giovanni. No, no, no. He meets Giovanni in Paris. So oh. David emigrates to to France, and he's kind of living there. And I think the other thing that James Baldwin writes really well is this post war expatriate movement. I was also watching the movie The Talented Mr. Ripley, <sighs> um, and which is kind of like the rich kids in Rome kind of thing of a similar time period. And so it was really interesting to hear him thinking about how, hear him talk about you think you're going to go and live in Europe and live this fabulous life. And kind of the reality of that is that 
you're not feeling part of this culture and you don't feel like you're part of the American identity. So you're just kind of like in between. Uh, It did make me want to go to France. It did make me feel very deeply for Giovanni and David. I was rooting for them. Um, Did it make you cry? It almost did. And I have to say that. Are you a big crier when you're Never. Uh Okay, so that's. The fact that it almost did says a lot. It almost did. I think if I had a big, like, if I wasn't who I am, I would have been <laughs> weeping openly in public. Yeah. Um, because it's really, like, heart-wrenching. You feel for them. Yeah. And you root for them as a couple. And I think there's a lot of, like, we read Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is a good example of, like, an LGBT kind of love story. But that ends in kind of a happy, poppy manner. Well, are you spoiling right now? Does it? Or does it all end I mean, in tragedy but Giovanni <laughs> 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 <That's laughs> like Giovanni's room is like notoriously sad I just saw someone made a t-shirt that's like sad books and oh, yes, Giovanni's that. That. room is on that and I was like oh I see why it's sad it's very short it's 150 pages um but I I highly recommend it I think everyone should be James Baldwin's writing I'm upset that he's not grouped in with these kind of like titans of the 1950s like you think Steinbeck or like Hemingway Ugh, I hated reading Steinbeck in school I really loved East of Eden again I didn't read that the pearl ruined my life oh. <laughs> wow <laughs> damn I hated it Things lean in East of Eden is so like boring. one of my favorite novels of all time I think he's the only author that ever wrote like a truly evil female character so what did you rate it uh definitely five out of five okay, i think your s- little synopsis just sold it to me i want to read it now yeah i think it's really accessible and oh, so, so undersold and it's uh i think baldwin tried to make a point of not being pigeonholed as like this black american author but it still really speaks authentically to his experience living in france like the i think the main characters are like white people but i think his like the nuance that he imparts upon how they treated each other how they kind of similar to what we were talking about with normal people in the last episode what they could and couldn't say to each other um because of various things is so relatable and you don't have to be like a gay man to to appreciate their love story and to like feel what like Giovanni and David are feeling so and also definitely makes me want to go to France I think I'm going to reread it like before I go on my plane and I will probably pick a ball of Baldwin's work because I was just like riveted by the writing it was so I love when you love a book that much that you're okay you're like okay I'm gonna explore this author more yeah like everything they ever wrote yeah 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 and I I do tend to lean on the classics um i don't pick up a lot of classics from the 1950s outside of what we just said like steinbeck mm-hmm. and stuff but um i i will pick up his work again i i really enjoyed it and i think you guys would like it i think you'll be sad but you're gonna hold the book to your heart and go like i was saying on my on my instagram that i was listening to like this how can i Without <laughs> you. That was like playing in the cafe while I was she finishing got the book. That's on what the made you almost cry was that song. She's while I was about the book. While I was finishing my book. <laughs> like you have to read it to know how it ends, but I was like in oh. it I no, almost I shed a tear, which is like a Virgo sob. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. 
shouts to Giovanni. I'm glad room. that you enjoyed it so much. Yes, I'm gonna buy it and then you're gonna borrow my copy. Okay, sounds good. Uh, what are you reading, Kayla? Okay, so I just finished reading "The Girl with the Louding Voice" by Abi Dare. It's spelled Dare, but there's an accent Igbo, so I think it's Dare. Um, this I love that little French thing. <laughs> I took French for like seven years. Um, this book is a part of the reason why I love being on Book of the Month because I probably wouldn't have picked it up, but it was a choice. Um, and I'm also trying to read more diversely, and I. I feel like everyone's saying that, but I'm such a mood reader and I grab whatever like strikes me, but I'm trying to like really be conscious about reading like more diverse authors. So this book is about this girl, Odani. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Um, she's 14 years old and she lives in Nigeria. And right away in the beginning, you know that like all she wants is an education. She had to stop going to school because when her mom died because she has two brothers and she had to like help out around the house and and like an important theme too is that she misses her mom so much and I hadn't seen my mom in a few weeks and I was reading this and I was just like oh um but her whole thing is that she just wants to go to school because she wants a voice but she keeps saying not just any voice she wants a louding voice which to her means she can walk into a room and like her presence is known but so she's 14 and her family's running out of money. So her dad promises her as a bride to this older man who already has two wives. So he, that um, he can collect like her bride prize. So to s- help out the rest of the family. So Adani goes and marries this older man who has kids her age. And she really bonds with one of the wives. But then like there's this tragic incident that happens and she has to go on the run because she's going to be killed by the people in her town otherwise and she ends up pretty much like getting sold into like modern slavery so her boss like beats her all the time for literally no reason but her goal is just that she wants an education so bad because she wants to go back to her village where she's been outcasted from and she wants to teach the next generation even though she's only 14 like she is the next generation um and it just reminded me like sometimes like I don't know if everyone feels like this but sometimes I need a reminder of how lucky I am to have been given the education that I just got I didn't have to like fight for it my parents just sent me to school like provided for me and this is like something that happens to girls in the world and I had the same reaction that I had when I read when I was finishing college I read I am Malala and it kind of changed my life because I was finishing my education career and I was like this girl just wants to go to school and I kind of took that for granted my whole life and then when I read a woman is no man I was I had this reaction where I was like whoa like I mean I read the news every day but when you're reading these stories that it's girls that I can picture myself at 14 and I wasn't thinking twice about going to school every day and here's this girl that is working like 16 hour days scrubbing this person's house being beaten like her life pretty much sucks but all she wants is to go to school and when I wrote my review I said it's insane because this story broke my heart but it like made my heart so happy at the same time because through it all Adani is so positive and just like 
kind of keeps her eye on the prize and it's not can I get an education it's like I'm going to and she's working on perfecting her English like while she's dusting bookshelves in the house um it was just like a really inspiring read and I think it's really important for like everyone to read to whether you're like us like white American girls like just be reminded but just to educate yourself on like what happens to girls around the world one thing I will say though the writing style took me a bit to get used to because it's written in her broken English. So her being the character. Oh, Donnie. Yeah. I'm probably saying her name 50 different ways in this, but, um, you're like reading her stream of thought and it's not perfect English. So it, it took me only like maybe 20 pages to get used to it and I did ultimately like that it was written like that because you really got put in her headspace and as she's like working on her English like things change interesting yeah it was a really interesting device and I wasn't expecting that but yeah overall I just think it's a really important read I feel like everyone should read it and like learn these stories because we really are so lucky that we just got to wake up every day and go to school and it wasn't an issue so yeah so what did you rate it five stars yeah five stars I would have read it in one day but the Oscars were on (laughs) (laughs) so um I put it down because me and my roommates like sat and watched it together but yeah it's also a quick read because you're right away she sold into marriage so you're so invested in her story so and you're rooting for her so much and like I just loved her I want to hug her when she was talking about missing her mom I was like my mom and I are best friends so like I got that but I didn't get it because like luckily like my mom's still here but it was just like relatable but obviously completely not it was was so good I think everyone listening go read it (laughs) and if you want a book of the month referral dm me (laughs) (laughs) okay Becky okay so I want to talk about the glittering hour by Iona Gray it was my book of the month pick. Um, so this book, it goes between the 20s and the 30s. It's in the th- it starts out in the 30s with um, letters from the mother to her young daughter. Um, the mother is away at the time of getting these letters. And she's the little girl is learning about what her mom's past was in the 20s. So the mom oh. was kind of a flapper but I guess they wouldn't be flappers because it takes place in England but she was kind of were flappers exclusively American I think flappers were like women who went to like speakeasies and listened to jazz oh so interesting um so in England they were don't fact check me on that one bar patrons well in this (laughs) book I'm Kayla interrupting because I read this too in this (laughs) book they describe them as like the bright young things yeah they don't say flappers well, I think that was exclusively like because they were socialites. Yeah, and I think that the tabloids just called this group of socialites the bright young things. Mm-hmm. But England didn't have prohibition, and I think flappers were exclusive to America because so like Grace from Peaky Blinders. No, she's not American. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying these Damn. people were like Grace from Peaky Blinders. Oh. Grace wasn't later. Yeah. Yeah. But no, so that's s- not how I would describe it. So Selena's the mother. I'm picturing Grace from Peaky Blinders. That's how I picture too. <laughs> <laughs> you cheater! I just pictured her face. 
Damn. Okay, okay back to Becky. Becky so Selena is the mom who's writing the letters to her daughter, and she's a socialite in the twenties. She's running around, being wild, defying her parents, mm-hmm. um, falling in love with the wrong people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, as she's writing these letters to her daughter, her daughter's wondering why her mom went on this business trip with her father and when she's coming back. Throughout the whole book, you're kind of like unsure of where the mother is, and just as a disclaimer insert you know noise here um i i'm gonna spoil the ending um because i can't talk about this book without like because it's extremely personal to me i can't not talk about the ending um so sorry to those in the room who want to read it you should still read it because it's all about the journey leading up to it really like you if i spoil the book you're still not going to get it spoiled because you should really yeah it starts off as a beautiful love story and then it turns into mother and daughter yeah so you're you're hearing about how the mother fell in love with this guy who her her parents wouldn't have agreed with because he wasn't a society person she meets him like on the road when her her friends are drunk driving and like they bump into a a cat cat. they kill a cat on the road oh my god and you Uh, like this book no she gets out of the car and she's helping the cat out of the car she she's like we have to save this cat she knocks on the door of this stranger and they instantly have a connection. Mm. They bury the cat, and oh. I shipped them so hard. Yeah, they they do they get together. Unfold. Things unfold. Yeah, and basically throughout the whole book, you're finding out like that this this is the story of how Alice came to be. Mm. And the daughter. Yes. How Alice old is, is she? The daughter. She's like ten, mm. around there. Yeah, she's young. Yeah, and she's she's staying with her grandparents and Selena's parents, yeah. who are like society people. It's an old estate, mm-hmm. kind yeah. of cold. And she is wondering the whole time why she's there and why her parents are gone. And so Selena sets up this kind of like treasure hunt for her. And she says, this is the story of how you came to be. So she slowly... That's when you go back to the 20s and you learn about Selena's life. But then eventually the timelines catch yes. up. So once the timelines catch up is where it really gets really personal for me. Because you eventually find out that the reason the mother is missing from, you know, Here's Alice's the big life. Spoiler. Yes, this is the big spoiler. Um, is that she is away, not even that far away. She's in London and the estate that alice is staying at is just outside of london um is she's at a cancer hospital so it's the 30s so at this point they they kind of know cancer but they don't know what to do with it it was actually interesting to read about how they treated cancer back then yeah like there's Mm. there's points where the doctor's like yeah we shouldn't tell selena the mother what she's dying of it will just Mm. upset her it's very interesting. There's nothing that they can do. They were doing surgeries, but reading it, I was like, well, what are they really right. doing to her? Right. Because at the point, at, at that point, it's like too much. Like it's, it's gone too far. So the reason this is really personal for me is um, my mom actually had cancer. And mm. in the book, it describes Alice. It's her birthday. She's eating cake. And I had that exact experience where I was at the hospital with my mom eating ice cream cake in the hospital room. And like, Mm. 
I remember my mom wasn't able to keep anything down mm. except for that day she was able to eat some ice cream cake, which she loved ice cream cake too. So that was cool <laughs> that she was able to <laughs> eat it that day. But like, it's it was so weird reading this book because she, it, it felt like she was writing exactly what happened to me. Like, mm. it's right now it's February 18th. My mom passed away on February 29th. And mm. so right now I'm like kind of reliving that kind of experience and like reading this book it was just crazy like I really felt like the author wrote my story down like sitting there eating the birthday cake and then going to the hospital and having her pass away so soon after your birthday like not that that's the point but like anyway I'm getting off well track. it's just this over. like very little thing that you were completely able to relate to well it's not just that like I think it's just like reading a story about losing your mother yeah and like having yeah those having details really detailed and then like the way they describe her kind of just like the way they describe her dying is something that like was really exactly what I remember like going through and yeah. not not mm. feeling like I could watch happen but did and I, I finished reading this book I was like on a ferry I just lost my phone I like at that point I was like thinking I just want my mom Aww. and I'm like reading this book and then I'm like finding out that she's dying of cancer it's the same experience I had I like was completely gutted by it and I was like yeah. sobbing on this ferry reading the book it was just crazy and then so I wrote my review on bookstagram and I, I like was like spoiler heavy like um and I tagged the author and she actually sent me a whole bunch of messages on Instagram. She wrote me, it was like one after another, probably like six of how sorry she is that like the book put me through that and like how glad she is that like I read the book and then she was able to relate to me, but she's so sorry and she wishes that there was a way that she could give kind of a warning to people. Yeah without spoiling it and like she mentioned a lot that like it really bothered her that she wasn't able to like warn people of because that. that is the twist that's the twist yeah and for me I wasn't sorry that I read it do you think it was a bit cathartic yeah like even though I'm a Pisces and I feel things <laughs> I am very much avoidant of difficult situations like I try not to think about it too much Aquarius Cut. yeah there's the cut but was it helpful to read a story that was similar like to your own experience or do you do you wish you hadn't I definitely don't wish I hadn't like I'm very glad I read it it's probably one of my favorite books oh okay and it's it takes place in the 20s I feel and like this was like <laughs> hiddenly marketed to you it was because when this came out you and I were talking about yeah. it and we were so excited to read it and then it's this twist you literally don't see coming yeah. It's almost like it was kind of made for you. It's weird, for sure. Like, my mom was not, like, a society woman. She was not <laughs> running around, like, drunk. She wasn't a millionaire British woman? No, but my mom did, like, she always talked about how she used to go to, like, rock concerts all the time. And, like, she used to have this book where she marked down all of the rock concerts she went oh, to. so cute. And so she did live this life that, like, I don't know about. And, like, she never really talked about. So yeah. in a sense, kind of, sure. I'm never going to have the, nobody's ever going to write down the exact experience, but this was the closest thing. Oh. And yeah, no, I'm not, 
I do think it was cathartic for me because like I said, I try to avoid my difficult situations and I try not to think about that hard time. And like in a good way, like you don't want to think about her dying. You want to remember happy things, things. but like at the same time when you avoid it, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, you're not healing all the way. Yeah. So this was definitely, yeah. Do you think it helped you heal? Losing your mom is something you're never going to heal. Yeah. I feel like it's like a grief is like a process, but I wonder if a book like that, where it is about the relationship between mother and daughter, and since it's a book, it's kind of like immortalized. So I imagine I like maybe that's healing in a way that there's like this immortal relationship between mom and daughter and in this book. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, like I've told the group here about this that my mom read so many books she right. was like major bookworm and I have this like um book where she wrote down all of the books she read since like I don't know when it it starts I have to look back but like this goes back in like the late 80s early 90s like her mm, marking down so every book cool she that read you have that. and like I was looking and one of them there was like 15 books in one month wow there was like that's not even probably she's beating the you oh yeah. wait she'll always <laughs> always and like it only gets less after i'm born you see that like she starts to read less but by less Sorry. i mean she's reading like six oh that my month. gosh Damn. that's where you get it from. from that's where i get it from so the fact that i was able to connect with my mom through, through a, book. a book it's really special and i recommend reading this book but definitely somewhat of a trigger warning <laughs> In the sense that there is some heavy loss and like it goes into it. I think even if you listen th- through this whole conversation, you haven't read it, it's still worth reading because it's absolutely worth it's a beautiful like forbidden love story. And then it also is a love story between mother and daughter. A hundred percent. And I think knowing that that happens, it's still a great read. Yeah. I feel like I didn't do a good job explaining the plot because I was did like, a perfect No, you job. did. I, I get it. I yeah. was That's very nervous need. to talk about this. So I was I like, mean, <sighs> Well, thank you for sharing is, that with yeah. us. Yeah. If books are like what we're talking about is our opinions. If you want to know what it's about, go read the synopsis. <laughs> but like, we're interested in how it made you feel. That's the whole point of like why you would pick up a novel if your friend or family member, like, the book made them feel a certain way you want to hear about that yeah and the best recommendations come from saying this made me feel this way mm-hmm. yeah or like i connected with this yeah you totally. should read it yeah thank you for talking to us about your Aww. mom yeah okay. all right libby <laughs> what did you read <sighs> wow also really a downer um oh great <laughs> so to round this out not a downer. i mean it was also a really beautiful book so I finished in January um, In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. And it is a memoir about um, her relationship with this woman um, a while back. But it's an abusive relationship. And the... Okay, it's going to be hard to talk about because I've, like memoir isn't really my genre I don't really go for memoirs um because a lot of the time I'm like this is gonna sound bad but I like can't see the point unless it's like a celebrity or something like Michelle Obama I'm gonna care about her memoir but 
you know people with like extraordinary stories it's a I'm bit like, of narcissism yeah i don't i don't know says the leo i know <laughs> i know i'm gonna remember one what about well and says the like plot i love plot driven care like characters who don't exist i who have no point i'm like yes oh my god tell me everything but like something about but if they're real you don't care about it, yeah <laughs> you're like real people why should we <laughs> very <laughs> low sensitivity to what real. about like educated do you ever read i that? haven't read that i want to I mean, that's something different. That's another Obama pick. <laughs> Obama. Um, but in the dream house. So. Yeah. For whatever reason, memoir is not my go to. I like really have a hard time sympathizing with real people, <laughs> which really <laughs> makes me sound like a sociopath. But it's fine. We swear Libby's nice. <laughs> but Carmen Maria Machado is like one of my all time favorite authors. I one of my favorite books of the past decade is. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay, Kayla just like tried to I'm be just finishing the key about off. finishing <laughs> off the wine, and Libby goes. Of course, I'm like no. <laughs> um, one of my favorite books, like of as the decade ended this past month, we were talking about like me and coworkers were talking about most impactful books of the decade. And mine was um, her body and other parties by Carmen Maria Machado. I like feel like that book changed how I, I it, it was so incredible. I like can't express Is that a how much I love this well? book. No, that's short stories. Okay. So it's also like not characteristic. Oh my God. It's so good. I, yeah, I don't, it's like hard. It, what is it about? That was so cute. Your reaction <laughs> to loving that book. <laughs> it's, I can't even, yeah, cohesively talk about it. What's what about in the dream house? Yeah, I can't talk about her body and other parties. This one, it has a cool cover. Right? Really cool cover. So, so like I said, okay, it's about um, it's a memoir. It's Carmen Maria Machado and the story of her abusive relationship with this woman. Um, she's bisexual now i think she identifies as lesbian she's married to a woman um so but the really unique thing about this memoir is carmen maria machado oh my god how many times can i like say this name and slur it um <laughs> uh, like we said let me add line later shows here we are <laughs> carmen maria machado um i think she's one of the best writers like of all time wow which is obvious i've talked about I mean, <laughs> I love poor I Libby. Love, we put her at the end of like four glasses of wine, writing. and she's like, "Okay, no, I do it. Okay, no, it's I because do it. I more can't, than four. It's because I can't talk of. It's not because I'm drinking. It's because her like, name's it's a bit hard. of a tongue twister. No, but it's also hard for me to no. talk about like her. I think she's the best writer. Writer. Okay. Wow. Oh, really? Like period. I end mean, of like sentence? Zadie Smith is my favorite author, but like Carmen Marie Machado is doing things that I just feel like nobody has done or can do like I'm I think she's so and the thing that makes her unique I feel like is how she plays with form so like full circle in this memoir every chapter is a play on a different form so there's like what do you I think, think more form? than a hundred chapters so I'll give an example like every chapter is the dream house as blank so there's a few chapters that are like the dream house as deja vu. So you get this and and they're all very short. Um, so, for example, like the deja vu chapter, the first one is like this sort of idyllic, beautiful portrayal of their relationship. You get like a few chapters later. 
the deja vu with like some of the abuse coming through and it's like these same memories like so it's playing with the idea of deja vu or there's like the dream house as a spy thriller and it's like positioning her and this woman you never get her name she's always the woman in the dream house um but like if they were in like an espionage tale and like interesting it's so she's using those devices to tell her life story exactly that's so interesting it's so it's like nothing I've ever read it's also weird to say that I loved it because it's horrifying like the just I so that method of telling it's the not story, a happy story no but it kind of is there's also like the dream house has plot twist and it's one of the best chapters I've like I've gone back and like picked that book up just to read the plot twist chapter. Oh wow. Because it's so beautiful. Oh, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to cry. Okay. Oh. Anyway, um we should all cry except me because I can't cuz I have no heart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it out. Becky it's was making me cry. I know. I was like tearing up. I do cry at I books. I almost cried Becky. It was really close. <laughs> that she sounds like sincere, but I really mean it. Maybe you would have cried if I would have cried and that makes it sound like I I'm like, I I don't know. I it's I your have, life. I you can choose to cry or not. Despite being a Pisces, I actually don't cry all that much. Oh my god, oh, I, I cry, cry so every much. day. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Uh, Sometimes okay. you need a good cry. I know every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, the dream house. So just sort of like more general. It meet so, um, she meets. Carmen met this woman in Iowa City, which is another reason I love this story because I went to college in Iowa City and she was there at the same time as me. So like oh. some of these stories, she's like referencing this hotel and I know exactly what hotel she's talking about. Oh, and wow. she's referencing Yeah, like so that also I think is another reason I loved it and like love her. But um so she meets this woman while she's at the Iowa Writers Workshop. And uh, the woman doesn't get accepted into the program, so she ends up moving to Indiana. So they have this kind of long-distance relationship. And the dream house is uh, where this woman lives. And it's also just, like, a super fascinating setting because Carmen's always, like, traveling, you know, like, hours-long road trips to, like, go be with this woman in the dream house but like she never fully unpacks and it's always like this transient space and it's never like Mm. like I don't know it's just like such a good memoir it kind of sounds like a story I mean it is a story but it sounds it seems like she's using these like storytelling devices to tell her memoir you mean like because I think about memoir is black and white you're saying it almost reads like fiction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for I would say <laughs> it does. putting my statement into it correctly. Well, <laughs> and yeah, so and I saw her so um her body in other parties is a lot of like body horror and she plays with like horror a lot. Like she wrote a foreword for a different like vampire novel and like I wouldn't say she's a horror author, but like she is in that genre sometimes or that space. But so for this one too, she's talked about like wanting to play with the particular like haunted house um trope and that so that's where the dream house like as a setting and kind of metaphor came from yeah and it right like turns into this haunted house and um yeah it was just like nothing I've ever read and it was 
like one of the best memoirs I've ever read. Um, so five star, right? Five stars, yeah. Which, and sometimes I'm like, okay, you're gonna give anything you read by her five stars, but she's so just good. the way that you're speaking about it. I can tell though that it's a five star read. Yeah, you're so making you me want to read it. You started this off as yeah, same. You're starting this off as saying like it's a downer, but like oh, the way you're talking <laughs> about it, I'm like, oh, I'm is so like excited. bringing joy to to my heart, even yeah. though it's like a sad yeah. topic. I think like so the way it affected like, you. Conclusion for today is like, you know, we kind of want to. We need like a way to unpack all these complex emotions, and like reading helps us in whatever way we can access it. Like unpack these complicated emotions. So like, wait, the complicated factors of like being in an abusive relationship however she wrote it down seems really digestible and like that you could think about it in a in a way that you still like carry with you today you know yeah 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 for sure that was a very good way to sum up all the books that we spoke about because none of them were really like fun i mean reading doesn't always have to be fun and or happy or it could be whatever you fucking want like you want to lean into the sadness? Lean into the fucking yeah. sadness, you know? Yeah. It's just a little funny that we all chose kind of like sad reads yeah. <laughs> for this episode. We're sad Yeah, boys. we're the most giggly we've been. This is <laughs> the <laughs> drunkest, saddest episode. That's Although I is. will say that this experience does really track well with my experience with red wine because the <laughs> deeper you go into the bottle, the more you're like, am I going to die alone? I don't know. That was like a oh, sad wow. French accent. God. <laughs> Shout out to Velvet Moon from Trader Joe's. Velvet Moon. Wait, wait, can I say one more thing about this? Yeah. Sorry. Say as much as you want. The last thing that I feel like is a huge focus of the book that I haven't talked about at all. um, Her purpose, and there's like a foreword. It's like the dream house says prologue or whatever. um, But the purpose of writing this book also was because she, there's like apparently not much available for abuse within same-sex relationships especially relationships relationships between women um and so there's a like some of it reads textbook is the wrong like comparison but some of it reads like you know referencing court cases from like early days of like lawsuits against women abusing women in relationships like one of the first um court cases that involves two women and you know spousal abuse not spousal like domestic domestic abuse like the language of the case was all modified because it was like this new um like just unheard of thing so it was like battered wife used to be the term and for this case specifically it was battered persons like they they refuse like something you know gender i mean the way I think abuse in relationships is like a fairly new thing or sorry criminalization of abuse in relationships is relatively new you know like being able to accuse your husband of yeah beating you used to be just accepted used to just be yes but it's this whole new like language I guess when dealing with same-sex relationships and she so Carmen Maria Machado this was one of her first like what felt like a loving relationship with a woman and the whole time and like kind of 
when she sort of analyzes like how she got so deep into this, um, it comes up that she just didn't have like the language or like the references to categorize this as abuse because it was like I don't know. There just wasn't. Yeah, it just didn't exist. Um, Or wasn't documented. Yeah, it existed, but it wasn't given terminology. Exactly. Yeah, and she like references cases with you know like just the more the smaller like femme woman of any relationship was always the one who was like, oh, like you are the victim, when that wasn't always the case. It's just like this way like people don't have a precedent to. Acute. I don't know. Because when you think about domestic violence, a stereotype is the husband hurting the woman. Right. Yeah. And so in this, that's not always the case. Yeah. It's just it was fascinating. Like also in the acknowledgments, she talks about. I hope that this is like a reference for people. Like there hasn't been something like this. I hope this serves as a way to like open the conversation. More people can talk about this, and also like if you might be experiencing something like this, like a way for you to just be like, oh, this is wrong. Yeah. Even though you might, I don't know. I think there's a lot of kind of like convincing yourself because ultimately people enter into relationships and they want to think that it's like the undercurrent is loving and you kind of try and like talk yourself out of all the small things that happen, especially if Mm -hmm. they're emotional things or like manipulative things. You could kind of like, push those to the side so it probably is a good reference to have some kind of yeah. like documented thing of all these together collectively yeah. add to something that's unhealthy and I want to help other people identify what's like not healthy yeah and there's like f- real footnotes too like it actually could okay. be like a reference oh, wow. text. especially for same-sex couples where our terminology doesn't even exist yeah you can be like oh whoa this is fucked up this happened can do something about this exactly yeah it came out sorry i didn't mention this from gray wolf press in november 2019 oh okay so, so it's like relatively yeah. new yeah i, I feel like that's why i knew the cover yeah, yeah. when it came out it's, it's like a gorgeous cover catches your eye yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like a little haunted house, house. Yes. judging it by its cover imagery with like a, a distinct face kind of like yes. fearful face yeah. in the middle. was it a book of the month pick i don't think so Maybe if it was, it probably would have been an add-on. I can look not that sure. up. I don't know. I'm not a member. Uh, I heard this author speak about her. Do you want me to spoil her real life thing? Because <laughs> oh no, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say <gasps> it. Please, okay. because that's that part is of that. I didn't okay. know that. Oh, and that is when the I plot read the plot. Yes, that's Fuck. the dream house's plot twist. I got the plot twist spoiled for me. Just because it was you knew her life story. Don't don't look it up, please. Don't look it up. Oh, no, don't I'm not. I'm okay. looking up if it's a book of the month. But it's making me update my app. I freaked (laughs) out. I was reading that on the train. I was one stop away from work and I missed my stop. I I was like standing at the subway door like and I was like registering. Okay, like got to get off at the next stop. And then I read that and I was like, (gasps) like, I think I made a noise. I texted one of my friends who was reading it at the same time. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. That's what I get for listening to podcast interviews with authors. Well, yeah. (laughs) Talking about I didn't know she was going to spoil her own fucking book. Oh. Okay, don't think about it. It's still worth reading. It's an incredible memoir, and I highly recommend it, even if you don't like memoirs. It was five plus stars. I feel like I might. I'm going to pick it up. sold it. Like memoirs, yeah. and I just don't know it. Mm. Because I don't read a lot of them. Like, I read Michelle Obama's memoir, okay. and I loved it. It took me a long so time good. to read. 
Same. Because I don't know why. Never mind. I did that one on audio, so it felt like she was just in my head for weeks. And then I actually went to her book signing. Oh, you did? You met her? I met her. (gasps) Oh, my God. And, um. Oh, my God. Okay, so at Barnes Noble in Union Square. Uh And I went with my coworker and his wife. I was like, I'm going, like where I work everyone's like super Republican and conservative so I felt a little weird being like I'm leaving in the middle of the day to meet Michelle Obama but I was like screw this like this is once in a lifetime like I'm meeting Michelle Obama so actually my roommate Michelle went too but um not with me though so I was like whatever I'm leaving I got online right away I actually she means in line yeah I actually didn't think I was gonna get a wristband the day before because the line was blocks long and then i was sitting at my desk at 11 i work well i wasn't far from it and i was sitting there thinking to myself you have to just go check and i ran in there and it was this older woman helping me out and she was like yeah i can give you a wristband i was like really that means i would get in she was like yeah that's what the wristband means (laughs) whatever so i waited online for hours got in and then it was all blocked off like once you were on the floor she was on if you were even texting secret service was on you like it was so locked down and she had a huge area like blocked off and she was in there like sitting at a desk and when you're getting close to go in I heard her talking Mm. but because I had just finished listening to the audiobook I was listening to her voice in my head all day for like two weeks it registered in my head and I was like (sighs) Oh, like my friend Michelle's here. Oh my god! And I'm with my coworker, and I'm like, oh, like I can hear her. And they're like, what? And I was like, so in tune to it. And then I went in and shook her hand. I like blacked out, but I was like, my friends and I look up to you so much. Like you continue to inspire us so much and give us so much hope. And she was like, thank you, sweetie. We're counting on girls like you for our future. Stop. And the thing I remember most about becoming is that she does not let you forget that she's a fucking lawyer. You know, like she is an educated yeah, person. Yeah, she's a badass. She's like, I had a whole right. ass life. She, I love she, that she oh, calls like, out Barack Obama before Barack. intern. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. I loved the parts before I'm Barack. like getting closer to the microphone to yell about <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> I, Michelle. Love, I love in that book that she like. She really puts Barack on blast. She really yes. does. He's she late like, all the time. Yeah, she was <laughs> like, like, he, was he didn't lazy. show up for dinner. We were right. mad, but we had dinner anyway. Yeah, like, that's oh. why I love them, because they're so real. Yeah, they mm-hmm. really are. Oh, yeah. And he's this is like the podcast of Obama. He's <laughs> <laughs> so. And you know what? I, I'm i going to just talk on my ass. I'm pretty sure Michelle's a Virgo. I'm if not, she gets up. Now. Well, Barack's Ooh, a Leo. Yeah, <gasps> oh my god, I think she is a Virgo. Oh my god, we're gonna so. find out. Kayla's I'm in looking good company. Up, but back to what I was saying is that like typically I don't pick up memoirs, mm-hmm. and that's like the most recent one I have, and I really loved it. So I feel like maybe I should dream pick house up or becoming? becoming becoming becoming. Okay. So I feel like maybe I should pick the pick it up pick memoirs in the dream up more often. All of them. Yes. Michelle Obama. Is a Capricorn, just like my mom and Kate Middleton. All right. Well, Capricorns. Where does that leave me? January. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. She's January seventeenth. I don't know many caps. Sidebar. I have a recommendation for you. Um. On a memoir. For who? Me. For anybody. (laughs) If you read in the Dreamhouse and you like this topic of like 
memoirs or if you listen to the author interview and had everything spoiled for you <laughs> oh, or if you're just sake, obsessed I'm with so Carmen sad about that. but like um i read this book called unbecoming a memoir of disobedience oh unbecoming. Uh, i've heard of that and it's really good it's about um this uh woman's experience being um a uh, woman in the marines oh uh, she's also like a first generation indian immigrant and so her parents had these high hopes that she would go off to yale what she did and then she didn't feel like she identified with that whole like academic life and she was like fuck it i'm gonna join the marines and then the marines is this branch of military that's also got kind of like it addresses similar kind of topics of like oppression and kind of unspoken things about the system of you know like if in the dream house talked about same-sex relationships then unbecoming is addressing kind of like what's get what gets covered up in terms of crime against women in the military particularly the marines well it's so interesting because a woman in the military is interesting becky your sister yeah my sister shot also a minority yeah like i can't imagine being both it's so fascinating you have to hear this person like speak about their own i can't remember uh i think the last name is bhagwati and you have to hear it kind of like from her own mouth and she does a lot of advocacy now for on the part of like um kind of like violence in the marines and how that's handled legally so uh it was a really it was like one of my favorite reads of 2019 so if we're on a memoir beat might as well pick that up i like that because that sounds like it like deals with the complexity of it too like how i'm i don't know how you could like be part of a system but also like call it into question or like call out the parts of it that are like problematic wrong yeah, yeah. And she says she feels very strongly marines out of all the um military branches are very like um kind of like a brotherhood very protective of each mm-hmm. other and very almost tribal and they almost all get like the same tattoos and she's like i still have that tattoo i still want to protect you know my right. fellow marine corps but like at the same time, I was done wrong by, like, mm-hmm. some systems at play here. So, um, yeah, go go read that book, I guess. So yeah. what is everybody going to read next? This is um a really off the cuff. I have Typically, one. we have one prepared, but this one's fully. What are you reading <laughs> next? Tell me right <laughs> now. Kayla? Okay, the next book I'm going to read is And They Called It Camelot by Stephanie Marie Thornton. Oh, and I'm read that so, so excited. And They Called It Camelot. Mm. This is, at least to my knowledge, the first major historical fiction book about Jackie Kennedy. Oh. Whoa. So I, can't I also really desperately want to read that, but I'll give it to you when I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys watch Jackie? Yes. Starring- yes. I liked so it. Good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, we good. with Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. You know who wrote that? What was Noah Oppenheim, <gasps> who covered up NBC. the NBC. He did. He did. Oh, Grace Kelly. We have when okay. So we've Becky been here and I spoke about, <laughs> and they called a Camelot because she came in and saw it because I have an arc of it, and then we got into Grace Kelly and she told she recommended me a Grace Kelly movie. But it's fascinating because there's so much historical fiction about amazing, amazing women. And it's insane because the Kennedys are everywhere. They still are. And there's been no major book about, like, 
John and Jackie. So I'm really excited for this. I have and if hopes. there is that we are we don't know yes. about, send please. send our way. <laughs> DM Kayla and Becky, please. We're desperate for it. Um, um Emily. Emily. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Emily, what are you gonna read next? <sighs> okay. There is this book that I really want to read called Real Life by Brandon Taylor, but it's not published yet, and I see it, like, floating around the internet, and if anybody wants to send me that, I would gladly <laughs> take it. Um, I couldn't really describe what it's about, um, but I just felt like it was... Uh, I'm trying to pull out the plot, but um, it seems really well written. The people who have gotten their hands on it are, like obsessed with the way it's written and i think if i remember correctly it's about um kind of like the experience of being kind of a minority student at a university so oh, interesting i'm intrigued to read that on the, in the near future i'll probably reserve a copy at the new york public library um if you put in your reserves like now you're kind of like early on in the list because once books like blow up then you can be waiting for months but because i'm on bookstagram and i'm in the know um <laughs> i can put that early reserve in so you be one of the first you know when it is published i can i can get right on that wow what are you reading but uh nope oh. <laughs> <laughs> either or <laughs> my name either of them have said oh yeah have you who libby okay <laughs> so what um, are you reading libby i well, I shouldn't <laughs> say conversations with friends, right? Probably not. Why? Because I already said that? that in episode one. <laughs> yeah, episode. probably not. Still haven't gotten to it. You still um, read it. I really, really, really want to read Severance by Ling Ma. Oh, oh Emily was like just talking yeah. to us about this before Wait, we started recording. Oh, cool. I feel like, was I late? I missed yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Wow. Um, I feel like finishing Station Eleven is going to get me in the mood because this is also a dystopian novel, but seems a little lighter and humorous and like this woman tries to go on with her day job during the end of days oh, <laughs> which great. i like that yeah. is totally true yeah yeah so would you do that if the world was ending you would still sit at work no yeah same. no freaking way the Not minute i notice the world is ending I'd i'm running once i get that Doing google alert it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> okay, I'm Sidebar running. Real Life was published today. So. Oh, sick. You can go get it. Oh, you're going to be so late at the library. Who's that by? Um, Brandon Taylor. That looks like the Helen Oyanami cover. Do you know what I'm talking Say about? Say as in Gingerbread. February 18th, today yeah. of the recording. Yes, Um, in <laughs> case you're listening to this, like, yeah, we post December it. or something. Um. Becky, what are you reading? Yeah, Becky, what's up next, next for you? Um, oh, so I just recently got a NetGalley, which is like a mm. ebook arc. I didn't know you did NetGalley. Well, I I I reached. You really out. wanted this one? Yeah, I really wanted to read this book, so I asked the publisher if I could read it. So what is it? What book? Um, Her Last Flight by Beatrice <gasps> Williams. Okay, I'm so angry about this book because I thought it was going to be about Amelia Earhart and I Sad. was obsessed with her growing up. It The cover looks like her. And then I read the plot and I was so angry. Who is it about? So I'm probably going to boycott it. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'll sorry. Oh, it. come on. I was so pissed. Well, anyway. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it comes out in June. At it's the end not of June. about Amelia Earhart. <laughs> and no, it is not about Amelia Earhart. I'm really excited because it's about a photographer and war correspondent. 
in the late 40s, not the 20s. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Breaking up by all 20 history. Years. I love history. But the thing that's really exciting to me about this is that it takes place on the Hawaiian island of Kauai, which is where my sister lived for two oh, years cool. for the Coast Guard. Oh, so cool. And I was there in the summertime. So you'll be able her. to picture. So I'm like really going to be able to picture the locations. I and love that. Yeah, I'm really excited to read it. I have it waiting on my iPad at home. So should we go around and say where people can find us? Yeah. I'm Kayla at KRedWatt. I'm Becky at Becky in the Bookshelves. Libby at Sleep, Run, Read, Repeat. I'm Emily at The Lazy Library. And when we're talking about where you can find us, we're only talking about Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also find the podcast at Books in the City Pod. That's on Instagram, of course. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Hey. Bye. Love you.